Moscow, Idaho businesses, check your video. Sam Bankman Freed, an example of TMM. That's right, too much mommy. Lilani Simon is going to have a little more comfortable time in jail than SBF, unfortunately. Former movie mogul, his jury deliberations will continue into next week. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Welcome to Crime Talk. My name is Scott Reich. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below and hit that little bell so that you receive notifications of when we go live or put up new content. And as always, support the people that support us. Like many Americans, we got a dog during the pandemic. My quarantine dog, Miss Winnie the Bulldog. Now, Miss Winnie has grown accustomed to being around us all the time. When we were leaving the house, Winnie would have extreme anxiety, so we decided to look for natural products to help with her anxiety. We looked for the highest quality CBD treats, and we were not satisfied, and neither was Winnie. So we created a high quality CBD product that absorbs faster and provides the required results faster. Baked in Colorado CBD treats and beverage enhancers are made with nanotechnology. The nanotechnology makes the CBD extraction more pure, also allows for Baked in Colorado products to work faster. Baked in Colorado products can help reduce your pet's anxiety, ease joint pain, and help with your dog's skin problems. Go to our online store and see what Baked in Colorado product is best for your dog. When you order at bakedincolorado.com, enter code WINNIE and receive 15% off your first order. We have a 30-day money-back guarantee. If your dog does not experience the desired results in 30 days, return the product and we will refund your money. No questions asked. Let's go ahead and open the docket for December 15th, 2022. The parents of Kaylee Gonzalez, one of the four murdered Idaho students, are begging local businesses to comb through their surveillance footage after a gas station attendant found a clip of the white Hyundai on the evening of the unsolved killings. Police are investigating the car after it stopped at an ExxonMobil gas station around 3.45 a.m. on November 13th. Just happened to be about a mile away from where Kaylee, Maddie, Zaina and Ethan were murdered in their off-campus home between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. Now, police said earlier this month that they believe that the occupants of the vehicle may have some critical information regarding this particular case. And so this gas station employee said that she had spotted this white Hyundai Elantra that police believe is connected to the fatal stabbings um, driving away from the scene from where the murders took place. So Christy and Steven Gonsalves are urging other businesses to search their surveillance footage for more clues before it expires. Now, for those of you who do not know, if it's a good camera system, normally there's a DVR or some sort of digital uh, recording device. And depending on the number of cameras and how much motion activity actually takes place, maybe you get a couple of weeks, maybe 30 days until that DVR becomes full, and then the, basically the matters are taped over. So you would think and hope that the police would have already done this and requested people to go back and save this information a month ago, because here we are now, 30 days, which is kind of usually the maximum on any kind of standard uh, video system. 
Most businesses simply aren't going to pay for the extra storage for basically anything that goes beyond about 30 days. So you hope the police would have done this, gone around to everybody, basically on all the routes out of town to see if anything was being done. Apparently not. Thank goodness this clerk, and who knows what it will lead to, but went back and on her job was going back through the video to say, hey, look, I think this may in fact be the vehicle. It just shows the vehicle is in that general vicinity. It doesn't necessarily provide any more information as it relates to a license plate or anything along those lines. It's not uncommon when there is a crime that takes place of, of a major crime for the police to go to all the businesses and try to get uh, the video. If they have halo cams, which are set up by the city, which doesn't appear that Moscow, Idaho had, they're limited. Maybe there's some ring doorbells. Maybe there's some sort of camera system. But once again, you would think that this would have all been done by the Moscow, Idaho police over the last month. Now, one thing that's also interesting is that Christy Gonsalves, the mother of Kaylee, said that she learned of the December 7th plea for information about the occupants of the Hyundai sedan from her daughter, who read about it in the news. So apparently the police are not sharing much information with the families. I get it. They don't want to interfere with the investigation, but you would think the family would be informed of, hey, we're really looking for this. It could lead to something we don't know, but we're going to keep you informed. Or maybe it's because the Gonsalves are making their way onto TV and providing more information that the police don't want to do that because it's going to jeopardize the investigation. I don't know. My heart goes out to them. The family wants answers, just like a lot of people do. Now, the family of Zaina Kernodal uh, has also been handing out flyers to locals, as well as uh, people there on campus at the University of Idaho, urging others for help. Uh, like I said, they were handing out about 5,000 flyers just simply to try to see if somebody knows something and have them come forward. And now there's rumblings that maybe the Moscow Police Department is just a little too small to handle a case this size. I don't know what the correct answer is. I know they have help from the FBI, from the Idaho State Police, but clearly whatever they're doing hasn't worked thus far. And I think what the real concerning part is obviously that there's no suspect, there's no murder weapon, but the point that nobody really seems to be pressing upon is that a person or persons who slayed four individuals while they were in their home asleep is still on the loose. And basically, we're no closer to solving this as the morning that the victims were in fact discovered. Let me know what you think. Next, an example of TMM. That's right, too much mommy. Well, now the ex-crypto billionaire, Sam Bakeman-Fried, now that he's in custody, well, the family has reportedly called the Bahamian prison where he is being held pending his extradition hearing and asked pretty please nice if he could get a vegan meal. Now, it's unknown at this time which of Mr. Bankman-Fried's uh, specific family member phoned the jail, seeking to make sure that his dietary preferences were met or whether, in fact, they were, in fact, granted. All right, little tip here. I've had this discussion many times over the years as I've represented people that have gone to prison, even jail, 
okay? Remember, county jail is where you're held. County jail is where you serve misdemeanors. Prison is where you go for felonies. Little tip here, big pointer. Um, the people at the jail don't care if your mommy calls or your wife calls and says he's not getting his vegan meal. Don't care, okay? Now, eventually, if there are some legitimate dietary restrictions, then somebody would, in fact, um, be somewhat accommodated. But you have to remember, old SBF, he's in the Bahamas, okay? And when you go to prisons in other countries, um, it's frankly not as plush, if you could say our prisons are plush, um, as they are here in the United States. So let's just get for real here. Um, I had a situation years ago, represented a guy who had been arrested in a Southeast Asian country for drug dealing. He was sentenced to death, case was appealed, sentenced to death, sentenced to death, three times, thought he was gonna die. And there's some treaties that after 10 years in this uh, foreign land, he would then get transferred back to the United States where he would do some time on federal supervised release, AKA parole, what have you. And what I learned uh, during some of those conversations was rather interesting is that, like I said, when you go to a jail in most countries, there's not a big priority in feeding people in jail. Uh, they may give them some general slop, so to speak, that they can eat. But for the most part, if you want the culinary uh, appetizers that you would maybe really want to uh, sustain yourself on, uh, that usually involved eating rats and other animals that have made their way into the prison. And your family is supposed to bring you food. So if your family doesn't bring you food, then guess what? You don't get the extra meals and you have to survive. I've also had clients that have told me about experiences in Mexican prisons and they couldn't wait to get back to the United States, uh, even if they knew they were potentially gonna spend the rest of their life in prison because once again, if your family isn't gonna bring you food, you get the slop that the authorities are going to give to you. And imagine in some other countries, how low of the priority it is to feed the people that are not able to follow the law. That's right, pretty, pretty low. So old Sam Bankman-Fried, get used to it, buddy. You're in for the long haul. And of course, don't have your mommy call. Seriously, do not do it. You will be highlighted in so many ways and in not a good way. And the reality of it is when you take a look at old Sam Bankman-Fried and you see his parents who you know are very nice and you know Harvard Law professors, let's face it, the biggest inconvenience challenge that old Sam Bankman-Fried has ever faced up until this point is probably he couldn't get good internet connection somewhere. So, you know, this is gonna be something that's gonna challenge Sam Bankman-Fried. We're gonna see if he's gonna pull through it, maybe make himself a better man for it. Oh, and he also needs his ADD medicine because he's can't concentrate. Well, do I still feel sorry for him? Not really. No, I don't. Now, obviously, we'll give him the presumption of innocence, but somehow I think, you know, his next hearing isn't until February for that extradition hearing. Somehow I think that he's going to realize that 
Prison here in the United States is a heck of a lot better than it is in the Bahamas. Just saying. Now, for those of you who don't recall, the founder of the collapsed cryptocurrency exchange, old SBF, was charged this week with multiple financial crimes, but he at least has his own room in the maximum security section there of the Bahamian lockup, although it's been known to have rats and maggots um, even in the private areas. And like I said, his family called, wanted to make sure he gets his vegan meal. I don't think that's going to happen. But if it does, you know, I don't know. I guess it's going to happen. And like I said, he was ordered to remain in custody because he has a hearing regarding extradition on February 8th. And this all stems from the allegations that he deceived FTX customers and investors to enrich himself and others. And uh, he also can't receive visitors at the jail where he is right now because of COVID-19 restrictions at the jail. And uh, it is a, apparently a jail that the warden himself said is not really fit for humanity. And there was a human rights report produced by the State Department last year that stated that inmates at the correctional facility in the Bahamas were forced to remove human waste by buckets and were confined to cramped, overcrowded cells overrun by vermin quite a different from the luxury compound where Mr. Bankman-Fried had been living up until his arrest on Monday. Now, like I said, lawyers for Bankman-Fried asked the judge to release him. The judge said no, because he's a danger to the community and a flight risk. Now, weird crypto guy, um, his parents, who have just both happened to be Stanford law professors, Joseph Bankman and Barbara Fried, hence the name for the Bankman-Fried hyphenated name, they were in court and they were able to at least give their son a hug before he went off to his uh, new home, the Bahamian jail. And the uh, legal team there signaled their intention to fight extradition uh, to the United States, where obviously he faces all these federal wire fraud, money laundering charges, as well as campaign finance law violations, where he could face up to 115 years in prison because it's alleged that he devised a scheme and artifice to defraud FTX customers and investors going back as far as 2019, the same year his company was founded. It's alleged that he illegally diverted this money to cover expenses, debts, and risky trades at the crypto hedge fund uh, that's, that he started back in 2017, Almeida Research. And to make lavish real estate purchases and large political donations. Now, FTX had to file for bankruptcy on November 11th when it ran out of money after the cryptocurrency equivalent of a bank run took place. That's right, everyone said, I want my money back. And they said, oh, we don't have our money back. No difference than any bank here in the United States or probably throughout the world. If everybody went down to grab their cash, it wouldn't happen. That's why you always need to keep a little cash for those little emergencies. Just remember that. But it obviously begs the question, where is Caroline Ellison and why is she not in custody? Because Sam Bankman-Fried's ex-girlfriend, Caroline Ellison, well, apparently she's still living it up in New York City. And Sam Bankman-Fried blames her for the crypto exchange imploding and it's all her fault. Now, Miss Ellison was the CEO of Almeda, the crypto investment firm owned by Bankman-Fried. The prosecutor said they used that to funnel billions of dollars through a personal piggy bank for the disgraced SBF. 
Now, it's exactly unclear if she, too, is going to face charges, according to prosecutors. Um, I can't imagine why she's not charged just yet. Her name appears throughout the charging documents multiple times, along with other members of uh, SBF's little inner circle. Now, SBF installed Ellison as the CEO of the hedge fund back in October of 2021, despite her limited professional trading experience, nearly nothing. She worked as an analyst for a short time. She's a math major, which Wall Street hires a lot of those. But when you hear her talk, Miss Ellison talk, once again, kind of like SBF, I would not trust my money with either one of those two. And well, frankly, turned out to be correct, my gut. Because I remember seeing a video about SBF and it was a guy uh, that does a lot of Facebook videos. I'm like, oh, this guy's so great. He's going to save the world by giving away all of his money. Of course, that video has since been taken down. But I saw the guy and I was just like, who is it? Like, really? No way. And it turned out it was a complete fraud. Now, FTX reportedly lent Almeida billions in uh, clients' money without their knowledge or permission, which is wrong. That's right. You can't do that. Now, the crisis at FTX was triggered when customers rushed to withdraw their funds and the company didn't have the money. And like I said, all of their living situations are going to change drastically here because we know old SBF is in that Bahamian jail. Miss Ellison should soon be in a jail, um, which would be quite different than the $40 million penthouse that they were residing in on the main island there in the Bahamas. Now, the United States attorney for the Southern District of New York said more charges will be filed in the coming days and weeks. And he said, we are not done. He said unequivocally, he's warning that this week's announcements against charges against Bankman Freed was simply the first step. Now, they charged him more than likely, and that indictment is going to be a placeholder because they wanted to get him back to the United States. And yes, I would agree, more charges are going to be forthcoming simply for the fact that everyone's probably still trying to figure out how bad it is. And even though the new CEO said this is the most absurd thing that he has ever seen, heck, they were using a general accounting software for running a billion dollar hedge fund and trading company. So Ms. Ellison, along with another guy by the name of Nishad Singh, um, who is one of FTX fired directors of engineering, um, is anticipated they may be charged as well, even though they haven't uh, heard of what legal actions officially facing them. They're apparently lying low um, in the wake of uh, bombshell charges that uh, obviously hit everybody there at FTX here. And, uh, you know, it's all about getting that money back. So all those directors of FTX, that inner circle, guess what? They're coming for you. If you need representation, though, call me. Okay, it's going to be expensive, though. Remember, justice is expensive. Injustice costs a hell of a lot more. Next on the docket, Lilani Simon is charged for the death of Quentin Simon. That's right. Quentin Simon's 22-year-old mother has officially been indicted on 19 charges one month after the infant's remains were found in a Georgia landfill. Lalani Simon is now facing charges including malice murder, felony murder, concealment of death, and making false statements to police for the toddler's death back in early October. Now, the indictment uh, claims that she hit Quinton 
who was just 20 months old at the time with an object that caused cruel and excessive pain, which led to the toddler's death. She then allegedly left her home early on October 5th to dispose of his young body, lifeless body, at a local mobile home park. Ultimately, however, young Quinton's body was found in a landfill in Chatham, Georgia. Now, police have not detailed the uh, evidence that they have to this point that led to Lilani's arrest late last month. Now, her mother was just arrested last week for contempt of court. Billy Joe Howell is now apparently on suicide prevention watch at the Chatham County Detention Center after claiming that she has now lost everything. The indictment alleges that Lilani, the mother of Quinton, provided false reports to investigators for implying that Quinton Simon had been abducted by an unknown intruder. Authorities have said that the young boy was last seen alive on October 5th, had spotted Quinton in a pack and play at 6 a.m. It allegedly took Lalani another three hours to report Quinton was missing from her home. She had claimed to have woken up about 9.30 that morning and found the door to the house open with her son nowhere to be found. Lalani was ultimately arrested on November 21st, just days after authorities found Quinton's remains in that landfill. Forensic testing eventually confirmed that the partial remains found in the Chatham County landfill were in fact Quinton. Tragic case. It's kind of sad that she's going to have nicer conditions than old SBF. They should probably be in the same. Just saying. Listen, moms, you had one duty. Lonnie had one job to protect your kids. All creatures throughout nature have done that. They have protected their children. And you, Lilani, will give you the presumption of innocence, but you failed, young Quentin. All right, that former movie mogul. That's right, he may have a hung jury. You know who we're talking about. Let's put up a picture, Frank. There he is. We're not going to say his name because it results in instant demonetization. So we're not going to do that. So the former movie mogul's uh, trial will stretch into another week as jurors appear to be seeking some guidance by inspecting the evidence through notes withheld from public view. So the Los Angeles County judge handling the case, a judge by the name of Lisa B. Lynch, has been addressing questions from the jury over the phone in closed court, which is very unusual. I've never seen that because, you know, we've talked about this. Everybody has a right to a public trial. And when jury questions come out, guess what? That's part of the public trial. So even if there's a conviction here, this could potentially result in a new trial. Just saying. So like I said, this is an unusual approach that um, needs to say the uh, press and observers were not happy with since they've been waiting for anything to take place. But there's been some minute orders released by the uh, Los Angeles County Superior Court Communications Officer and apparently states the jurors asked their first question on December 6th, which was the second full day of deliberations after the jury deliberated for about two and a half hours on December 2nd. Lynch will not allow the public to know what the question says, issuing an order on Wednesday that said that she believes doing so would interfere with ongoing deliberations. She also declined to release the contents of another question the jury sent on December 9th. 
Now, the fact that these communications were received from the jury and the fact that the court responded to them are contained in the court's minute orders, which they're supposed to be. All communications, according to the rules, between the jury and the court need to be preserved for the inclusion in the record. And their minute order there notes that. Now, the contents of the communications reveal the deliberative process of the currently deliberating jury. As such, the court believes it would be inappropriate to release to the press the contents of the communications prior to the discharge of the jury as it would impinge on the deliberative process. The minute order shows the first question was a request to hear the court reporter read aloud a testimony transcript, which it must be new. I mean, I've never had a transcript read back ever. In fact, most courts you will say that the jury, you need to rely upon your memory and your notes and your collective memory as all of all your jurors, simply for the fact that the transcript, it's not a certified transcript until the court reporter's gone through, uh, read it, proofed it, reread it again, um, and certified it to, to be an official transcript. So, hey, it's California, nothing surprises me. Then the jury notified the court of a request on December 6th with lunch discussed with prosecutors and the former movie mogul's lawyers over email, according to the first order. Now, the jury left at 3.30 p.m. that day, then returned the next day and began listening to the testimony uh, read back at 9.37 a.m. and that ended at 10.43 a.m. The jury notified the court of another question on December 9th. The court and counsel conferred via email. A written response is returned to the jury at 3.46 p.m. Um, the jury left 10 minutes later. Now, Lynch did allow reporters into the courtroom for what was believed to be the first interaction between the court and the attorneys since the jury deliberation began. A discussion about whether an alternate juror with travel plans for the next week could be dismissed. Lynch declined to dismiss the alternate after former movie mogul's lawyers uh, said we have a strong preference that he not be dismissed. In this trial, alternates are required to be at the courthouse each day while the regular jury deliberates. The jury is to listen to the court reporter read aloud testimony when they return on Monday. It's unclear what their scheduled plans are for the week of Christmas. The jury, as of the end of Wednesday, deliberated for 37 hours over eight and a half days. Always interesting when you get a hung jury, always interesting uh, the questions you get, and sometimes they just, you don't see them coming. We'll wait and see what happens to former movie mogul. Maybe uh, the allegations out in California are just not that big of a deal as they were back in New York, because hey, that's the way things are done in LA, right? I don't know. All right, and then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. That's right. Can you believe this? Somebody actually ransacked and stole baby Jesus, a little figurine of baby Jesus and other religious items that um, were replaced with a tombstone-shaped Halloween decoration with the words, rest in peace. Now, the resident of a South Euclid, Ohio uh, resident, apparently it's a uh, suburb of Cleveland, contacted police to report that the thief had targeted a nativity scene in his front yard. Not only did they steal baby Jesus, they got a cow, a donkey, and some lamb figurines. We don't know who the suspects are, but we know who the victim is. And I don't want to say his name because we don't want to 
to somehow be confused that he'd be the dumb criminal of the day. But police are investigating this. And I don't know, messing with a man's Christmas decorations, walking into his yard and replacing it, taking a baby Jesus. I don't know if that's just not right. I don't know. Whoever did that, dumb criminal of the day. All right. Thanks for watching. Hope you enjoyed the show. We will see you tomorrow. Hope you have a wonderful day, not just a good day.